0: well good morning morning. how you doing today it's good to see y'all and welcome to week one of our series called short stories by jesus you just got a a sample of the story that we're about to jump into here in the next few moments but before we do that i want to take a quick moment to welcome uh anybody who is here who is a first-time guest uh my name is jay my wife stacy and i are the lead pastors here at journey and man what a privilege it is to have you with us today here at journey church and Also, I wanted to welcome those of you who are joining us online right now. It's great to have you tune in today to be a part of this service and enjoy this live experience. So, church, let's give our guests and our online guests this morning a great big Journey Church welcome. Awesome. Now, do me a favor. Everybody look around. Look all around you. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Look to your right, your left. Look all around. You see this room? It was full of kids the other day for vacation Bible school. Kids all over the place and here here's what's absolutely amazing we had so many great workers and volunteers here corralling them and loving them and teaching them all about jesus but we want to give you guys a quick snapshot of what happened right here this week with vbx check this out hey the the weather was absolutely beautiful for like a week and a half two weeks before vbx and I'm not kidding, like 30 minutes before it was supposed to start, all of a sudden I'm driving back to the church and like it just opened up and the heavens opened and like, you know, I, I thought we were going to need an ark or something. It, I mean, it just poured. And so here's what I was like. I was like, you know what, probably everybody's just going to stay home this evening and they're, they're going to keep their kids at home. And that was not the case. They were like, you know what, we don't want our kids at home with weather like this. We're taking them all to the church and let's stop and pick up 50 more on the way. Well, I kids all over but I had a great time and man our, our our children's team our serve team all those who are serving and helping did an amazing job let's give them a great big hand clap today i'm gonna tell you pastors kelly and casey do an awesome job with their children's ministry we are so blessed to have them and their team every sunday morning teaching the kiddos all about Jesus, and so uh, if you see them, give them a great big high five and tell them they did a great job. Now, here's what we're doing. We're jumping into this new series, what we call a summer series, and the reason we call it that is because it's a series we do in the summertime. You see that, yeah, I know, it's real complicated, but... It's, we're, we're going to go for about the next six weeks, and we're going to do this series called Short Stories by Jesus as we look at different parables that Jesus taught. And here's what my hope for this series is this summer, is that we would really embrace change. Everybody say change. change. Now, now, let me be honest. How many of you in here really want change for your life? Raise your hand way up high. Okay, typically we do. And typically we say, well, I, I want to eat better, I want to get skinnier, or I want to stop doing this and that and the other. But the reality, real change and good change means that we are becoming a better person. Okay? We are becoming better. Everybody say better. better. It means we become a better uh, spouse, a, a better parent, a better employee, a better friend, a better Christian, just a, just a better person in general, because we are allowing God to bring change. Everybody say change. Ooh, but we, we don't like that word, change. Oh, I, I want to change, but I don't like the word change. And I'm going to tell you something. So many times we fight change. Let me tell you about some good change that took place in my life. It is no secret I have spoken openly about this from the pulpit numerous times that I absolutely, utterly despise going to the beach, okay? I'm a mountain person. How many of you in here are beach people? How many of you in here are mountain people? There's my people, okay. Okay. I despise the beach, I hate the sand, I hate the seaweed, I hate the water, I hate the wind, I hate all, I hate everything about it, okay, it's just, it's a miserable experience. You go get lathered up, literally, you have to put on sunblock SPF 195 now. You go out, you lay on the beach in the sun, and, and then you still get burned, okay? Literally, I get burned every time. I told Stacey, we went a couple weeks back, I said, every time we come to the beach, I lather up with, like, lava mud, and uh, I still get burned. And my foot got, my my left foot got burned, and it's peeling now. How that's possible, I don't even know, okay? But we've we we, we we've gone to the beach numerous times. I despise it, hate it, it's horrible. The sand is is, we're not even going to talk about that, but... I went this past, this past year, we went, and Stacy said, well, what did you think? Did you hate it as much as you always have? And I said, no, actually, I, I had a good time. And she was like, who are you? And what have you done with my husband? And we went back two weeks ago, and I actually enjoyed it. And I think the reason why I enjoyed it is because it was one of those experiences. Now I can go to the beach, and I'm not having to worry about a bunch of little kids running around and getting into stuff and getting swept out by, you know, the riptide and and all that. And I don't have to lather them all down with sunblock and all that kind of stuff. It was a lot more relaxing. And I told her, I said, you know, I actually, I kind of enjoyed it. And I think in a couple months we ought to plan another trip to go back. She's like, who are you, you know? Because some change in the right way is good change. Amen? Amen. Amen? And so here's the thing. How do we make sure that we're changing in the right ways? How do we make sure that we're embracing the type of change that God really wants for our lives? And how do we, in reality, how do we change? And so I want to read you the scripture. This is going to kind of serve as the foundational scripture as we lay the foundation for this series today. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 It it tells us this, it says, remember what Christ taught. Now, anytime you see anything like that in scripture, you better pay attention because when Jesus is teaching us, it's absolutely amazing. Remember what Jesus taught and let his words enrich your lives and make you, what's the last word there? Wise. Wise. Now, who, who could use some more wisdom? I think we all could because wisdom in the right way allows us to change in the way that God really wants for us to change. And so, today as we, we delve off into this series, one of the things I loved about Jesus' ministry that you read and study in scripture was the, the simplicity of his ministry. Okay? It, it, it literally is this, that about 38% of Jesus' teaching was done in these short stories that we, we look in the Bible and we know them as parables, but they were short stories. And these short stories, they had some pretty kind of cool things attached to them. Typically, there was one basic principle or truth that Jesus was trying to teach in that moment. And and it's kind of cool because there's some things you got to pay attention to as well. You have to pay attention to the characters in the story because a lot of times we're able to identify with those characters. And then also, when you look at a parable or short story in Scripture, the simplicity of it, you also have to make sure that you notice the audience that Jesus is teaching as well. Now, the simplicity that Jesus would minister in, in, actually, it it speaks to us today because so many times we overcomplicate everything, am I right? Anybody in here had the tendency to overcomplicate things, make it really dramatic and all that kind of stuff? Well, Jesus in his ministry, he tended to keep things somewhat simple. And, And today, as we look into this parable, this short story by Jesus, we're going to see that the central message in this parable is often, it, it's, it's one that we oftentimes don't really think that it is, Okay, is. We'll, we'll get into more about that later. But the story we're going to start with today, you heard Hannah read it uh, just a few moments ago. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And we all, most people in this world, I don't care if you're a church, churchgoer or not, most people know the story of the Good Samaritan. We have even turned it into a phrase, oh, they're, they're being a Good Samaritan. And uh, we look at this story and we think that it's all about love and compassion and mercy and all these kinds. And it's great to gain that for our lives. But there's so much more in this story that we even miss. So if you have your Bible today, take it out go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at quite a few verses. And today the message is going to be a little bit different. Okay? Because here's the rule that I want to apply throughout this entire series. Okay? There's one rule. Here's the rule, I want you to make it personal because here's what happens so many times, if y'all could could see things from my vantage point, a lot of times whenever I preach and teach on Sunday mornings, I see a lot of this. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Hey, hey, that's for you. You need to pay attention. Y'all on the phone calling friends and neighbors, you need to listen to this message, point people out. Hey, you over there, pay attention, you know. This message is for you. And here's what I want to tell you. None of this, okay? None of this. We need to make this, me- this series personal. Because God wants to change us. Guess what? You can't change anybody but yourself. Amen. Quit trying to change your spouse. Quit trying to change the people around you. Focus on what God can do in you and allow him to begin to change you. Remember, we just read in Colossians to make your life to bring wisdom to your life and so throughout this series let's focus on allowing God to change us let's make this series very personal to our own life and so if you have your Bible Luke chapter 10 we're going to go into this story and let me kind of set the stage for you here okay Jesus is actually uh, he, he is actually at a place where he's sending out uh, 72 witnesses to go out and to preach and teach him whoa and to minister to people and uh, he, he actually is, is accosted by a group of religious leaders. And here's what happens. Uh, verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, I think that a lot of times we make this situation very innocent. We're like, you know, they were hanging out. This religious leader was going to ask Jesus a question. There was some hostility in this moment. Okay, so you need to understand that. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at your neighbor and say, good question. question. Look what Jesus said. What is written in the law? Now, notice that he didn't share the gospel with him. He immediately went to the law. And there was a reason for this. What is written in the law? Okay, in other words, he's saying, hey, you're a religious leader. You're an expert of religious law. You should know the answer to this question based on what your thinking is. And he said, how do you read it? Look what he answered. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And here's what I want to understand, help you to understand. Jesus basically recited back to this guy and pointed this gentleman back towards the law. And there was a reason for this. Look what happens. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Look at the next verse, 29. But, there's always a but involved. As I've said, messages pass sometimes. Sometimes when God, you know, he wants to do something, he wants to change something, sometimes we have really, a really big but involved. And, and here's what happened. This guy had a but involved, but he wanted to justify himself. Let me tell you what's going on here. He did not want to ask a question with a genuine heart. He was trying to make himself look good in front of all of his buddies and embarrass Jesus. So he goes at it again. I didn't get quite where I wanted to. Jesus answered this question in the religious mindset so that all my buddies wouldn't jump on him. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In other words, he threw this, you know, back in the direction of trying to stir things up once again. Now, here's what I want to help you understand. Before we get into the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a lot of hostility with these religious leaders towards Jesus. Because they used religion, they used the law to control the people and have influence with the people. Jesus began to gain influence with the people and helping them begin to understand that the law was bondage to their lives and that he as the Messiah had come to bring freedom to their life and forgiveness to them. So these guys hated Jesus and this, this expert in the law, He asked this question not like I said earlier in a heartfelt way but in a hostile way to try to embarrass Jesus and to make Jesus look bad in front of all of his buddies there and maybe they would kind of begin to gain a case against him because ultimately their mindset was we want to take this guy out we want to kill him and it culminated at the cross and so he asked this question and who is my neighbor? And Jesus, in reply, goes into the story that we know is the Good Samaritan. Here it is. I'm going to read through the whole thing. Uh, it's quite a few verses here, but check this out. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Bad situation. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side so to a Levite when he came to the same place and saw him notice this pass by on the other side same phrase we're going to talk about that here in just a second Pass by on the other side but thank goodness there's a but in this situation story ends Jesus looks at the guy which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers and the expert in the law replied the one who had mercy on him notice that he doesn't say he doesn't name names he doesn't say the Samaritan guy that you were talking about he doesn't say that there's a reason why but he says the one who had mercy on him and Jesus told him go go do likewise now great story about compassion mercy love walking in the love of god and and i've preached this this parable in this way before we're going to look at it in in a little different light today and and here's why it's because remember we're making this series personal we're talking about change and how can i be better how can i be a better you know spouse how can I be a better believer how can i be a better you know uh you know person all these different things and so how can this story, this parable, this short story by Jesus, how can it affect my life? Well, let's look at the story a little bit more in depth, okay? You need to understand a couple of things about this story. Jesus is telling this story. He's sharing things with the people that were common in the area that they would have known about, okay? This road that went from Jerusalem to Jericho it was a commonly known road. Uh, it, it was a very dangerous place. There were a lot of hiding places for bandits, robbers, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of people avoided this road. In its day, it was commonly known as the way of blood, okay? Because so many people have been injured, hurt, murdered, all this kind of stuff on this stretch of road because it was a lot of bandits and robbers there, and we see in this story. And so here's this guy. He's traveling, you know, going on his merry own way, and all of a sudden, he runs across this, this group of robbers. And they beat him mercilessly. They take everything that he had. Not only did they take his bag... And, and, and his donkey, and not only did they take his shoes, they took all his clothes. Now, I'm going to tell you what. It's a bad day when you left half naked, I'm sorry, half dead naked on the side of the road. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a bad day. Okay? And here he is laying in the ditch. He may be unconscious. He may be conscious. We don't know, but we know that he's half dead. We know that he is at a bad place in life. He has not only a need... He has a desperate need. He's probably not going to make it unless somebody steps in to offer assistance. And hope appears on the horizon. A priest, a man of God, the one who makes sacrifices for the people in the community. Glory to God, there's a priest, he's going to be a man of compassion and mercy and love. And it says that he passed on the other side of the road. Now, the Greek word here, I actually was going to pronounce it for you today, but it's too long and complicated, and I always mess that up anyway, okay? (laughs) But here's what the Greek word literally means. It means that this individual deliberately went out of his way to avoid the situation and avoid the individual. Look at your neighbor and say, that's bad that don't look good but it's okay we got another individual coming down the road this lonely stretch of road not traveled very often but lo and behold because God is a good God here comes somebody else and this person is a Levite they serve with now their role within the church could have been one of many They may have been a guard in the temple. Uh, They could have been, you know, just all different types of roles that this individual could have have held. Kind of like the serve team here. When you join the serve team, there's a lot of different roles that you can be involved in and help. But your heart is to, to serve and help. And Here's this Levite. That should have been his heart. Remember the same exact phrase. Pass by on the other side this individual also deliberately went out of his way to avoid the situation and avoid the person. Now, here's the crazy part about this. Out of all the examples that we could have had of people stepping up to help, these two individuals, they were, we would picture them in society as the best of men. The ones who should have been filled with the compassion and the mercy and the grace of God. But guess what? The story points, show shows us by their actions, they were hypocrites. They were self-righteous. They weren't full of God, they were full of themselves. And then all of a sudden, a third traveler comes along. And he's a Samaritan. Now, a lot of times, because we just kind of throw that out there, oh, the good Samaritan, you know, he was a Samaritan. We, we don't really think of the situation because a lot of times we don't really know the situation that the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they utterly hated one another. When I tell you they hated one another, here's what you need to understand. The Samaritans were distant cousins to the Israelites. And in years prior, generations prior, they had within their people, they had intermarried with foreigners That's a big no-no. And they had begun to embrace different types of idolatry. There was a lot of tension. And eventually it culminated into the place of, you know, some issues that took place. and, And it led to where these two people groups utterly despised one another and went out of their way to avoid each other. In fact, Jewish people, if they had to travel anywhere in the the vicinity of Samaria, they would go out of their way, no matter how far it might be, to stay away from Samaria. That's how much they hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated them. So if anybody should have went to the opposite side of the road to avoid the situation, who should it have been? Probably the Samaritan. But the Samaritan comes down the road, he sees the individual laying half dead, What does the scripture say? He took pity on him. Then what did he do? He went to the individual, probably somewhat gathered this person into himself. In other words, maybe took him like, hey, buddy, you okay? Maybe kind of embraced him a little bit. And then he washed and bandaged him. Now, the guy, remember this, the guy had nothing. He had been stripped of everything. He didn't have bandages. He didn't have oil. He didn't have wine. Where did it come from? The Samaritan took it from his own provisions. Remember, he's traveling. These are things that you would take with you whenever you travel. You might say, Pastor, I don't don't take bandages and and oil and wine with me whenever I travel. But do you have a little first aid kit maybe in your vehicle somewhere? You travel with that, right? And and they would use the oil in ancient times. They would carry oil and wine with them because they used it for cooking. It was in their provisions for them to take care of themselves. And so he took up his own provisions... And he bandaged the guy. And notice this, whenever he he took oil and wine to wash his wounds with, he didn't use like an eyedropper and very sparingly like, look, I'm only going to give you like a half a drop, you know, like 50 cents worth because I want to save the rest of it for me. No, no, he was generous. He poured it on because he was generous. Because he had pity within his heart for this individual who was wounded, half dead. Then what did he do? Hey, buddy, come on, get up, let's go. And you can walk along behind me and and, and follow me down to the end. No, what did he do? He put him on his own animal. Then he took him down to the next local Holiday Inn. And he he walked in and said, hey, look, I need you to take care of this guy. The guy's like, he's a friend of yours? No, I never met him. Or y'all like, like, y'all know of each other? No, I just found him on the side of the road. He's half dead. He's naked. He's like, here's some money, and he gives him two denara. Now, what is that? Two denera. Denara actually constituted one day's wage, so he gave him two days wages. So in today's terms, if you make 15 bucks an hour and you work two days, you're going to make around 240, 250 bucks. So he didn't give out like, hey, here's a couple of dollars. He gave a significant amount of money to care for this person. He had no idea who he was. Then check this out. He opens a line of credit. He says, I don't know how this might take weeks for this guy to get back on his feet. So here's what I want to do. I want to open a line of credit, and I will actually come back and meet up with you, and I will pay out the balance. Now, let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you in here would be willing to do that? Probably very few because this guy's heart was so full of love and compassion he gave the best that he had he gave the, the just everything that he could do in the situation he went over and above and i would dare say that when you you look at the basis of the story i don't necessarily know if there's really any of us who are willing to love to, to that point and that was jesus's point because what did jesus tell the, the samaritan i'm sorry the, the the expert of law he said go and do likewise and you need to understand he was not saying hey go find somebody and take care of their need he was basically saying every time you come up against a need no matter how desperate no matter how in need that person might be every time you see that you're to take action to give over and above and be generous and do what this guy did every single time remember you live by the law you got to live a life that's perfect. Do you want to get into heaven? Then you got to live like that, and don't mess it up. Go and do likewise. That's impossible. That's Jesus' point. Now think of it like this. Remember when I said that? I don't necessarily know if there's any of us who are willing to love like that, except maybe in one situation. There's really only one person that we love to that extreme and that extent, and that's Ourselves. Because typically, we'll do pretty good for ourselves. Remember what Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's trying to get the point across, hey, the the things you're willing to do for yourself, the way that you love yourself, we should love the people around us that same way. Jesus tells this expert in the law, if you're going to live by the law, then you need to understand that you're going to have to live your life in this way. And here's what Jesus' point, because here's the deal, I want you to get this. From the story of the Good Samaritan, we need to learn to live a life of compassion and mercy and grace and love. Would you agree with that? Remember, who was Jesus talking to? He's talking to an expert in the law. Here's Jesus' point in the story because he told the guy, go and do likewise. He was trying to help this guy understand that if you're going to live your life by the law, this is how you have to live your life. And the guy's response should have been, Jesus, that is utterly impossible to live your life like that all the time and never drop the ball, never mess up and Jesus would have said exactly, that's why you need God because the only one who can love you and lead you through life and do the things in you and through you the way that need to be done is a loving heavenly father who's willing to send his son to pay the price for your sins. You need to see the need in your life and guess what, this guy didn't see the need in his life we don't hear about him again in scripture we don't see him recorded again in scripture that that we really know of because he didn't see his need he didn't see the need for change in his life he didn't see the need for him turning his life over to Jesus and allowing Jesus to teach him and begin to speak into him he walked away that day and he missed out on the greatest opportunity he ever could have had in his life to make a difference in this world so what is the story of the Good Samaritan it's open to a lot of interpretation but Jesus is teaching a religious expert an expert in the law hey buddy if you live your life by the law you're not gonna make it in heaven because the law is impossible to live your life by and that's the very reason why you need a Savior that's the very reason why you need God because God loves you so much that he sent, his son Jesus, or he sent his son to come to this earth. Listen to what Romans 5 tells us. It says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Look at this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who is able to love like the good Samaritan? God is. And God is willing to pour out that type of love over all of our lives. No matter how desperate and broken, no matter where we find ourselves in life, if we feel like we've been beaten half to death, God is always there to minister to us and to love us, but we have to see the need within our life. So the story of the Good Samaritan as I went through this and was studying over the last several weeks is there's a central truth here that we need to embrace. Yes, we need to be walking in the compassion and the love of God. But what the expert in the law missed out on that day was that Jesus was talking to him about change within his life. Here's the question for all of us. Will we miss out on God bringing change? to our life to make us a better to make us better than we are better spouse better parent better christian better employee better neighbor better friend god wants to change us day after day after day to be more like him to where that compassion love grace and mercy is a byproduct an overflow of him at work in us and through us you might say well okay pastor Jay, what?" what where is it that God wants to change me? How is it that God wants to change me? Because remember, a lot of times we, we want to change, we just don't know how. Well, let's go back to what Jesus told this religious expert, this expert in the law. He says, what does the law say? And it went back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you, if you research this. And, and it was a quotation that the Israelites, would, would, the religious ones would make every day. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength and there was more to it, but we're not going to get into that and so here's where we talk about change and and this is this is my takeaway in my study time of of looking at this and prepping for this God what is it that you want to change in me God how's it you want to shape me to be more like you I've been walking with you for 29 years but man there's so much work left to be done in my life so God in my heart what do you want to change in my heart? Is there sin? Is there sin in my heart? Things maybe that I'm not even aware of. Holy Spirit, point it out to me. Show it to me. Convict me of it. Make me aware of it so that I, I can repent. That's not apologizing for sin. That's acknowledging sin and turning from sin. God, has my heart gotten hardened in some areas? Because sometimes if we're not careful, our heart can get hardened and we can walk right by need and never even give attention to it. God, is is my heart hardened? Because in my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, God, I want to be in love with you more and more every single day. So in my heart, is there sin? Is there hardness? Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? God, what in my heart do you want to change? What about in my mind? Does my mind, Lord, does my mind run crazy sometimes with anxiety and stress and worry and fear? is my mind getting away from me since am i thinking about things that i should not be thinking of god change me as the word says to have the mind of christ to be more like you every day god bring change to me my heart my mind my soul what about our soul pastor Jay? well in our soulless realm the sole part of us or where our emotions are contained. And so many times we're more apt to be led by our emotions than by the Holy Spirit. We get led by anger. Anybody here ever gotten angry before? Woo, don't reach hand. Mm. <laughs> Lord, I'm being led by anger and I'm saying things to Stacey and other people around me out of that anger and set out of grace and mercy and love. Am I allowing my emotions to run my life? Because I want to bring those things into check. So God, in my, in my soul, change me. In my strength. Pastor Jay, strength's a good thing, right? But how many times do we try to fix things instead of relying on God? How many times do we take things in our own hands and try to deal with it instead of just trusting God and having faith? And typically, if you're anything like me, in those moments, man, we make a mess of things when we do that. Anybody ever been there, done that? God, change me to be more like you. My heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. Change every part of my life and work on me every day. Because I know that I'm never going to get my act completely together till one day I'm in eternity with you, Lord. Amen. And change me so that as I fall more in love with you every single day, as I look at this story and I see compassion, mercy, grace, all these things... That need to be a part of my life as a believer. As you're changing me, those things are just an overflow of you at work within me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to take a moment. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to to work on us and change us and shape us. And there's some of you in this room right now that I kind of hit some of the high points, and and it kind of resonated in your spirit. There's some of you in here when I hit anger, you're like, "Ooh, none of this." Okay. There's some of you in here when I talked about bitterness, unforgiveness, when I talked about sin. There's some of you in here that whenever we talk about the emotions controlling us instead of the Holy Spirit controlling us, you know it resonates with you that you need God to change you in that area. So here's how we change. We acknowledge that it's real. We acknowledge that it needs to change. And we open our heart and say, God, no matter how long it takes, begin the work on me right now. Begin to work on me, to change me, to be more like you every single day. And when you fall flat on your face, maybe two days from now, God's begun to work, but you fall flat on your face and you lose your temper, you repent, you get your heart right, you apologize to whoever's feelings you hurt, and you pick yourself up and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work on you again and again and again and again. All throughout your life. Make this personal. Don't push it off on somebody else. And as we get to the end of this series, watch how God works on you and changes you to be more like him. Amen? Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody in this room to close your eyes just for a moment. And here is where my heart is through this series. And here's where I hope your heart is going to be through this series as well. God, begin the work and begin to show me what it is you want to change. Change me. Because as you change me, my marriage can get healthy. As you change me, I can be a better employee. As you change me, I can be a better believer. I can be a better person. That's found in change. And for some of you in this room, the first step for you would be to surrender your life to Christ. You've held back. You've tried to do the things to to gain eternity eternity like the religious experts said. How how do I get into heaven? That's basically what the question is. Jesus, how do I get into heaven? I'm following all the rules. I'm doing the religious things. But guess what? Jesus basically said, "That, that ain't the way, buddy. So what is the way? It's to see your need. To see your need of a Savior. To understand that in the sin that you're walking in. The sin nature that you were born with. But the only way to deal with that is to have a savior. And Jesus is the only one who can be a savior to you. And then as you surrender your life to him, you begin to grow in relationship with him. And so maybe in this room right now, you're at the place where you would say, Pastor, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I need. I need Jesus. and I'm ready to surrender my life to him for the first time. There might be more of you in this room who would say, you know what? The relationship that I used to have with Jesus, I've kind of wandered from him, gotten distant. I've kind of gotten caught up more to me instead of him. And today I need to renew my relationship, my commitment to Christ. Well, listen to me closely, friend, if that's you, wherever you are in this room right now, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out today if you would say hey I I want to be a part of that prayer then wherever you are in this room right now do me a favor because I like to know who I'm praying for with every eye closed every head bowed if you would say that's me and raise your hand where I can see it is there anybody in this room I see here 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 young man right here over here praise God and those of you who raised your hand I'm going to give you the words to this prayer this is your prayer this isn't Pastor Jay's prayer this is your prayer And prayer is this, it is simply opening your heart up and talking to God. And right where you are, pray something like this. Something like, Jesus, thank you for loving me the way that you do, that you would choose to go to the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins, my shame, my guilt. And today, by faith, I receive what you do. Jesus, I'm a sinner, messed up, and today I ask for your forgiveness. I repent for the sin of my life. Jesus, today I ask you to change me, to be more like you. Today, make me a new person. Jesus, come and live inside of my heart. I surrender to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my master. Now today, here's what I'm going to ask for you to do. For those of you who just prayed that prayer, seriously, here's what just happened in your life. You are a new person. The Bible describes what just happened in your life as being born again. And so today, as you've surrendered your life to Christ, it begins the relationship with God. Today, for everybody in this room, we're gonna take a moment. One of the things that I have always found in my life, anytime I'm crying out to God to change me, worship is always a powerful way to help usher change into my life and into my heart. And so I invited a worship team. To join me on the platform today. We're gonna to take a moment. We're gonna worship and honor the Lord. And I want you and your heart to just allow God to begin the work of changing you. So let's stand to our feet. Let's honor the Lord. Let's worship Him this morning.